everybody back to another episode of the Med Student Over Easy podcast. I'm your EM Over Easy host, Andy Little, joined by Caitlin and Tim again, where we're going to talk about this idea of waiting room medicine. So Caitlin, introduce it for us so the so we know where we're starting. Yeah, so the idea for this podcast came about because as a lot of you students probably have realized, the emergency room has kind of moved to the waiting room for a lot of the past year with everything going on with COVID and staffing shortages. And I think that that definitely brings a different flavor to your EM rotation and makes it difficult for me as an educator to try to figure out the best way to show you emergency medicine um, when we don't really have walls and rooms and things to do this. So I wanted us to all kind of talk about how we approach teaching and learning for the medical students when you're really working out of a waiting room. Yeah, I love this topic. It came up with a medical student that I was doing a debrief for the rotation with us. And it was great because they said, man, you guys see a lot of people in hallway beds and a lot of people in flex spaces, which is our waiting room and kind of like back little areas. And and I said, well, and I, and I explained why. And they said, yeah, it was, I, I rotated somewhere else last month and it was the same thing. And I thought maybe I'm going to find some place that doesn't do this. And then they came to us and reassured, sure enough, I'll, most places are doing this now. So I think this is a great topic, Caitlin, and thanks for bringing it to the table. Yeah, absolutely. Tim, do you want to kind of talk about how you've approached teaching in this new era, we'll call it? The waiting room for me is the scariest place in the hospital. It's like swimming in an ocean and you can't see what's below you and there's jaws hiding right below the surface. So when I'm an educator in the waiting room and taking care of patients, there's already a little bit of trepidation. And the first thing I do is discuss with the medical student what waiting room medicine is and what we're trying to accomplish, right? We're not trying to disposition patients to the ICU. We're trying to sort out sick versus not sick. Who needs some lab work? Who needs maybe some imaging? Who can go home? Who needs to go back right away? And so the mind shift, the mindset shifts considerably for me when I'm doing waiting room medicine. And a lot of my teaching focuses on sick, not sick, what's my first impression, and really taking the medical students through my thought process and when I'm evaluating patients with little to no information a lot of the times. Yeah, that brings up a good point. I think it's hard from a learning standpoint, but I think from a medical student standpoint, you might actually get to do quite a bit more than you would think in these scenarios because I really like having two people get a history from these patients because it kind of helps me feel like maybe we're not missing stuff that one of us would pick up on something, but it's just very not ideal. And it's very tricky for teaching because a lot of times, at least in our emergency room, we're pooling people into one or two triage rooms to use them for a few minutes before we send people back to the lobby. And having a student take the time to interview a patient and then me do it afterwards isn't always possible because we have other providers trying to use the same two rooms. So it just makes things difficult. Yeah, I love that you guys bring up though that this is really a great opportunity for the medical students from a couple of regards. One, you have the, you're never going to have this much autonomy to do the sick first, not sick evaluation. Medical students seeing patients in flex spaces in the waiting room allows them to do that with more patients than, than normal, if nothing else, just because they need to be evaluated. And so I think if you're a medical student, take advantage of that. This is going to be a great opportunity to kind of let your spidey sense learn a little bit about sick versus not sick. Also let you shine to your attending. And if you're working with residents on, hey, I, I went and saw this person in triage. This one needs to come back next because they're sick. And so 
take that opportunity and, and view as what it is. And then you're also going to get to spend a lot of time with ancillary staff that you might not spend time with if you are always back in the department, because you're going to get to work with the techs and the nurses out front where you can build good relationships with them. And then also build a really good reputation from being somebody who's willing to be a part of the hustle part of the department that is the waiting room and the triage process. Yeah. If you're someone willing to be a part of the hustle, there's so much you can do in this regard. Even if there's a point in time where maybe I'm not seeing patients and I'm trying to get caught up, going out there and helping draw some labs or helping place some IVs so patients can get over to CT or even just reassessing patients and you know getting a repeat blood pressure, putting patients on the monitor and checking if they're hypoxic can really go a long way for not only the ancillary staff, but also for me and the, the patients in the department. When I'm discussing waiting room medicine with medical students and, and kind of starting out that encounter, you know, on top of everything we've talked about, I try to build a safe space and say, this is a time for you to start flexing your spidey sense, like Andy said. And if you're concerned, I'm concerned. Come to me. Even if the patient's not sick, that's totally fine. I, that's exactly what I'm here for. I'm here to help. I'm here to guide. Come to me. Let me know how I can help. And develop that spidey sense. Spend some time with the ancillary staff. A lot of the stuff as a resident and as an attending that you may be focusing your time on is a lot of that stuff. How does an EKG get done? When can we get the next EKG? How are the labs being drawn? Can I help with that? And having the time as a medical student to really sit down and work with the ancillary staff, not only engenders you to the ancillary staff and they, they see you as a helpful medical student, but it helps you gain some valuable skills that you may not realize are all that valuable as a medical student. Absolutely. And going to your spidey sense comment, you know, as a medical student, you really don't get any opportunity to, I don't want to say run the department, but to get an eye on the whole department. That's something that's really senior resident level or attendings are looking at. And this is kind of that opportunity because if you're going out to the waiting room repetitively to bring in different patients and, you know, to help me put patients in rooms for me to briefly see them, you're going to walk past the same patients over and over again. And you can tell if someone has decompensated or you, you're you worried that someone's sick or not sick. And even if that's not our patient, being able to, you know, say this patient needs help, we need to, you know, get them back in a room can go a long way. Yeah. And I think it's also just as a medical student, be willing to be taught in a different way. I do a lot of different types of teaching when I have to work in a flex space of the waiting room. And it's less on history and physical, less on history because you can't get a detailed history because you might be working with somebody that's literally sitting next to a family member of another patient. And so HPI and HIPAA are things that maybe you're not going to want to delve down deep into, but you can still do a decent physical exam on these folks. And so it's a great time to practice doing that rapid assessment physical exam of, okay, they're breathing good. So I can say they're well appearing because their skin's not pale. They're breathing normally. I can feel a pulse. It's not over a hundred. I'm counting their breaths as I'm checking a pulse. It's not over 16. They're able to talk to me and converse. So I can assume that they're alert and oriented times four. They're able to stand up and you can get really good at doing some of those exam findings that will benefit you later in life when you're working back in the main department, because you won't always do a full physical exam on say somebody with a focal complaint, but you can get a general physical exam off of them just from watching them in the bed and conversing with them. I agree. One point I think we've all touched on briefly, but haven't addressed directly, is the pace. In the emergency department, if you're a medical student, you have a little bit of time to go see the patient, get a history, 
do a thorough physical examination, come back, collect your thoughts, talk to the attending, talk to the resident, come up with a plan, and then execute the plan. In the waiting room, I was shocked as a medical student when I was brought out there and everything is so fast-paced, right? There's very little time to debrief and the learning is different and the mindset needs to shift to this is some stuff that I'm going to have to keep in the back of my mind and debrief with the attending or the resident at the end of the shift. I'm going to have to write down my questions and at the end of the day, we're going to have a big debrief and I'm going to learn a whole bunch of stuff. But when we're seeing patients, we're triaging, it's sick, not sick, sick, not sick. It's what labs we need to get doing that quick history and physical. And that's that's a skill, just like everything else. That's an important skill, not only for a resident, but for an attending to have. And to be able to have that opportunity to do that as a medical student with some guidance was, is, is amazing. So with this fast-paced environment, how do you guys coach your medical students on really optimizing their learning? If they're not able to look stuff up and debrief in the moment, what are some tips and tricks you guys have for really getting the most out of this experience? So, so for me, it's really limiting what I'm asking them to do. When I typically have them see a patient back in the department, I want them to go see the patient, get a full history, do perform a full head-to-toe physical. I want them to come out with differentials of what's the most likely thing it is, what's the three things we have to make sure it's not, what's the weird thing that we have to kind of talk about that'll lead to a good discussion. And I really kind of scrub that to, I need you to be able to perform a concise history and physical on this patient. And I want you to come back and tell me if they're sick, not sick, and tell me the leading diagnosis. And so just changing the way that I ask them to present to me is huge. And that actually I've noticed takes a big burden off of the medical students, knowing that they don't need to spend 20 minutes in the room and go to a different computer and look some stuff up beforehand, knowing that, look, you're going to get 90 seconds in the room. I want you to get what you can in 90 seconds and come out with the leading diagnosis and sick and not sick. So for me, I still, the, I still let the students take quite a long time doing their history and physical, you know, they can do what they normally would do, but I think it really shifts their presentation for me because the way our department is set up, this patient is already going to have seen two other, likely two other providers and all of their workup is going to be done. So it's just a matter of if we need to add on any scans or any, you know, last minute things and then what our disposition is. And at first, I think that kind of tricks the medical students up because they spend so much time learning how to do an emergency medicine presentation. And we have a whole other podcast about that. But this time, they're not going to be talking to me about a workup. And they're instead going to be talking through why certain diagnoses are not on our list anymore and what else we have to rule out. And then we're going to be focusing a lot more on disposition. Do they really need any other workup? Can something be done outpatient? Or do we need to go ahead and admit them? And I think that, that that kind of changed the mindset, which can be a little bit more difficult, but is definitely a great way for students to learn. Those are both great points. And I would say for me, a lot of my teaching can be observational for the medical students and really showing them my technique of getting a quick history, my technique of that really critical EM physical, right? your cap refill, What's your pulmonary exam? What's your heart exam? What's maybe a musculoskeletal exam that's needed at that time? And really focusing on the decision-making and what parts of the physical exam to include because it's not going to be a complete history and physical 
and working through my thought process with the medical students and kind of creating some schemas for them to approach the next patients and kind of getting that graduated responsibility throughout the shift and then eventually seeing them see these patients on their own, come back to me like Andy and Caitlin were saying, and do that that quick presentation. I think one of the things we haven't brought up is, you know, up until we started having to do more regular waiting room medicine, like many of us are doing now, anytime a nurse would tell me that a patient seemed to be a little bit upset or aggravated, I typically wouldn't send my medical students into those rooms. That's something I would just handle myself. But it's pretty common nowadays that these patients that are waiting in the waiting room for six, seven, eight hours, they're going to be agitated and upset reasonably so, when they do finally get to see someone. And oftentimes that person is a medical student. And so I think that there's a lot of learning to be had about how to talk patients down, to explain to them, you know, what labs we have done, what we have done for them and what those results are and why we think they need to wait for something else to be done. And that's something that up until this point, I don't think a lot of medical students have had to deal with. And I don't know what your guys's take on that is. No, I 100% agree that to where the second you move patients from the main ED to anywhere that's not a regular room, medical students are going to get a little bit more involved in the customer service part of our job. And I, and that's a phrase that it's like nails on a chalkboard, but you're going to get really good at talking to patients down of, Hey, I'm really angry. I haven't been seen. And so getting used to saying a couple really passive, but really important phrases of, I'm so sorry you waited so long. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for letting me evaluate you out here. As you know, we're busy and we can't get you back. It's going to actually probably make you a better doctor in the long run, introducing this earlier in your career than waiting until you're a resident. Now as an attending, those soft skills, the talking people down, getting them a sandwich, asking to see if they need an extra blanket or an extra pillow are really some of the most important things I do in the department. And having a medical student take that extra initiative and really start building those skills. And that's something that can always be modeled, that can be worked on and debriefed at the end of the shift, maybe troubleshooting a little bit. But seeing that extra aspect of emergency medicine, that's really becoming a core part of emergency medicine with all the boarding and long hospital wait times is an excellent thing to have a medical student start doing. Another thing that I found is initially when we started doing this, I felt like it was really costing me the education aspect of the shift. I felt like I wasn't teaching as much. So I had to come up with, you know, how I was going to deal with that. And something that I found is I have this thing that I do anytime I feel like I'm not rushing, but I'm, I'm discharging patients quickly or admitting them quickly in an unideal situation like the waiting room. I usually stop before I hit admit or discharge and I rerun through all the labs and I rerun through all the can't miss diagnoses in my head. And I always have done this since I've graduated just to make sure and double check that I don't have the wrong patient in mind or I haven't missed something. I go back through all the the reads again. And so I've started finding that if I do this out loud with the student and kind of talk through my narrative, they can really see my thinking and why we've done what we've done and, and why I don't think we need to do other things. And that has turned into more of a teaching point where they can ask questions and then I can still keep moving but feel like I haven't you know, just made them follow me around while we're running crazy in the waiting room. And I don't know if you guys have found different tricks to try to keep educating while you do this, but that was just something I found. I do. I do something similar, but at the point of contact with 
the patient upon the initial evaluation. If the medical student's there, I talk out loud, I narrate my physical exam findings, I narrate my thought process. It makes me feel a little like Dr. House in front of the medical students, and the patients seem to really enjoy it. They feel like they're getting that extra care. You're kind of talking them down, you're providing a service, and you're not just some guy who's coming in there listening to the lungs and moving the knee around, seeing if they need some x-rays, but really telling them that they're getting a good physical exam, they're getting a good work up at that point of care in the fast track and you're checking things off your differential. I don't think it's an infection because you're moving everything just fine and the knee's not swollen or red. I don't think that it's a fracture based on the no history of trauma and you're really crossing things off. So the patients benefit from it. You benefit from it, from the educational aspect. And so does a medical student. Yeah. I love that you guys bring that up to where even sometimes I won't even send the medical student at first when we're, when we're really busy, let's just go together. And so they can see how I do a rapid evaluation, knowing that I'm only going to see the patient in the waiting room because they've been deemed not sick either by a medical student, another provider, or a nurse to where it's going to be a one-stop visit where I'm going to get a history, perform a physical, give reassurance, and perform education all in one five-minute encounter. And that's another great way you can teach when you're doing this with medical students. And when I was a medical student and this would happen, I think my my initial reaction, my guttural reaction was, well, what do you mean I'm not seeing the patient by myself? Why am I why am I following you around? I'm the medical student. I'm on my sub. I am supposed to be seeing the patients and presenting to you my findings. And it took me a little bit of time to really embrace the gift that the attendings and the residents were giving me of watching them do things step by step that even now as an attending, I want to go back and watch everyone and how they examine and what exactly they do and, you know, learn a little bit, like almost like observing a procedure. So Tim and Caitlin, if you're a medical student listening to this, what is your big take home for kind of tackling dealing with seeing patients in the waiting room? I think as a student, you just need to be flexible and have a good idea of your surroundings and what you can do to help. There's always someone you can learn from, whether it's the patient or an ancillary staff member or you're attending or another resident. And these are different times and everyone's trying to come up with the best and safest way to take care of patients. And it's not ideal, but you can still learn a lot. And I think you just have to keep that in mind and go in it with open eyes. The advice I would give to medical students is to embrace the pace. If the emergency department is fast-paced, the waiting room is even faster-paced. There's going to be a lot of observational learning. There's going to be a lot of getting out of your comfort zone and really honing those core emergency medicine skills of sick, not sick. What's the initial workup? Where is this patient going? And a lot of those skills and lessons you may not identify as a medical student. You may not identify as a, as a resident even, but it's all there if you just take a little bit of time or what time you can, spend it in the waiting room and watch how people are being cared for. It'll make you a better doctor, it'll make you a better person, and it'll certainly make you embrace the emergency medicine mindset. Embrace the pace. That is, we're gonna leave it there. Tim, Caitlin, thanks so much for hopping on for this segment for the Med Student Over Easy podcast. Well, you made it all the way to the end of another Med Student Over Easy podcast. Do not forget, we are the official podcast of the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. To learn more about this great organization and how you can get involved, head on over to acop.org today. Mm-hmm.